Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of Reactions TV. Um, these will be split into separate podcasts at some point, but right now they're just coming out on the Reactions platform. Um, our social media is Facebook, Reaction Media, Twitter, Reaction underscore Media, and Instagram at Reaction underscore Media. I made Twitter and Instagram the same so that it's har harder, so that it's easier to remember. Um, remember to like, comment, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, this episode is about Mindhunter Season 2, Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Um, anyway, here we go. Seems to me like the only... No. <laughs> Totally gonna be dancing at the start of podcast when we're doing video. <laughs> I feel like you should. I think it fits your personality. I mean, it's really not well. dancing. It's it's horrible. It's moving your limbs to the rhythm of the music. That's that's the, the is, is definition that... of dancing. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey guys, welcome to uh, Reactions TV. I already said that this was the Mindhunter podcast, but hey, guess what? This is the Mindhunter podcast, and we're gonna talk about Mindhunter. He's Alex. This is David. I'm Alex. That's David. <laughs> All right, David. Yeah, what are we doing? Episode four. Episode four. Highlights or just walk through the plot or what are we doing? I mean, I don't care. Cool, man. So this is an okay episode, I think. This is when... Uh, you're talking about the podcast or the you're already just saying this podcast episode's okay? Or are you talking about episode four? <laughs> episode four. Okay, cool. This is when Holden and, and Tench get called down to Atlanta. Uh, was it official business at this point? Official business? It wasn't. No, I don't. Not yet, because I don't think that happens until episode six. Yeah, it's not happening until episode okay. six. Well, no, they get called down for. But it's not official until episode six because right here it says FBI is officially sent to investigate and catch the murderer. <laughs> well, they get called down for another thing. They like get, they get called down for, uh, man, another thing. <laughs> and then Holden still wants to investigate the Atlanta child murders while he's there. Gosh, what's the other thing? It was a... These episodes are so much harder. Because <laughs> they, they run together so much. Because, um, well, I didn't binge them, but... I did. Yeah. So, anyway, they get called down for something. Which leaves Dr. Wendy and uh, Greg to go interview... I still hate Greg. You still hate Greg? Yeah. Why? Snitch. Yes, it is hard to get over Greg that. Greg the Snitch. Greg the Snitch. And I don't even know how he got a job doing what he's doing. When Wendy and Greg go to interview Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., which is... Uh, well, I thought he was just the tran the, the transcriptionist. Yeah, I but he, the, the but transcription he goes guy. in for the interview and, like, he bombs. Mm -hmm. And, like, by bombs, I mean, he's like, so, uh, so, uh, so... What was uh, his first time? Still, That's, you remember Holden's first time? Well, but Holden had to recover from the panic attack in season in season two episode. I'm one talking Holden's first time season one. No, I don't remember that at all. I don't either, but I'm sure it's better than Greg. <laughs> I was hoping you had. <laughs> Maybe Greg was not a natural. I think Greg is highly shocked by what he's doing yeah. in the FBI. He's like, I didn't think it was going to be like this at all. <laughs> What did you think about the guy they interviewed, uh, Elmer Wayne Henley? So Elmer Wayne Henley, yeah, was a accomplice 
to Dean Coral. Yes. A.K.A. Did he have a name? Or was it just Dean Coral? Dean Coral was the Candyman. Oh, really? Yeah. You uh, know about the Candyman? I know he can. Not the him. The Candyman can. That's a horrible thing to put together. <laughs> Sorry. Because if you're doing that, you're saying the Candyman can kill children. Yeah, that's, that's dark. He can. He did. Yeah. But he used Elmer Wayne Henley as his accomplice to lure children to him. Yeah. Elmer Wayne Henley said that the only murder that he committed was the murder of Dean Coral mm-hmm. because he kills Dean Coral. The relationship is likened to him having essentially a father figure. Mm-hmm. And even at the in the interview in, in here in the uh, show, he says that he thought he thinks that. If Coral could look at how he was murdered, mm-hmm. he would be proud of him for murdering him yeah, that way. Yeah, that was, that was really creepy. Like, really weird. Yeah. And it was because, now, uh, Elmer had uh, abuse in his life, right? Yes. He, he was abused when he was younger, mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't have that, he didn't have that father figure. I think it figure. was by his father. Ah, uh, okay. So, he really was looking at Dean, like you said, as a father figure, mm-hmm. and that's why he was drawn to him. And that's what Wendy is is able to pull out of Elmer because Greg tries and fails. Yes, absolutely. Greg actually doesn't really even try. He just tries to ask basic cookie cutter questions and Elmer just looks at him like, no, not doing this. Yeah. Well, and what's also interesting I is think this he also says some really weird things that throw Greg off a little bit. This is really like the first time that the two people who stay in the office have gone out into the field. And so this is the first time they've seen that, Hey, maybe these questions that we develop in a vacuum don't really work when you go out. Well, there. and that's why this is a this is a really good episode for Wendy, especially because Wendy is always looking at how to academically study these people. And if we're gonna do that, then we've got to sit in this way and we've got to talk to them this way. And Holden's always like, that doesn't work. <laughs> and now she's seeing how that doesn't work. Because she right. has to go off script in order to get uh Henley to even talk that way. And the way she goes off script, did you think I mean because you know, nowadays, uh, uh, homosexual relationships are accepted. They're very, they're very widespread. But back then, it was still considered a deviance. So, you know, she, so everybody would consider her to be a sexual deviant if they really they believed actually, it. Actually, uh, someone actually, Greg calls it a deviance. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the episode. Yes. Um, and so she kind of shrinks back because I think she was kind of hoping that that could be known at that point mm-hmm. it seems it seems that she's being very i mean she is being truthful yes but they don't know that right i couldn't tell if she was hoping that they would figure it out or, or if hoping she was... that they wouldn't figure it out exactly i couldn't tell which one she was hoping for but they ended up not figuring out they just think that she was lying to get uh Elmer she's to come out. really good yeah <laughs> yeah that what a story how did you come up with that one? <laughs> I think he says something like that, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> poor Tench. <laughs> poor Bill Tench. Oh, yeah. this, this is, is the episode. The episode, yeah. This is the episode that I spoiled last episode and had to cut out. This is the first episode where we find out exactly what happened to this kid. So, like, mm. Brian is involved. Brian, the adopted son, is involved. Yeah. Not only is he involved, he's the one who suggested that they should put the kid on the cross. After he was dead, though. Yeah. And yeah. Nancy he didn't swears. Let, 
He did, he just let let them kill him. Mm-hmm. And Nancy swears that. Well, the way that they talked about it, it sounded like it got rough, and the the death was actually an accident. That's what it, yeah. that's what it made it sound like. But Nancy swears that Brian was doing it because he believes that it'll it would make the toddler come back to life, and that he's not disturbed. And now I read this in an article. It's very interesting. They were saying that Henley's need for a father and approval and Brian's need for approval are juxtapositioned together in this episode, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't even know. Like, Brian's so weird. He's do shy. Think, do you think he's autistic? I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Do I, you think I, so? I get vibes of, of a, at least a mild autism, just the way that he interacts because uh, Nancy's off. always defending him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian's just shy. Mm-hmm. I think she says that for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But then there's also you've heard of the is it the McDonald triad? I don't know. There's there's a uh, there's a there's a certain triad of behaviors: fire, starting fire, bedwetting, starting those. fire, bedwetting, and cruelty to animals. Yeah. And Brian exhibits the first one in I think it was episode three, where he wets the bed right after they find out that the kid was murdered. Mm-hmm. They call it he's. Um, He's reverting. Right, that's what they say. To those mm-hmm. behaviors. Yes. But it's also part of this behavior for serial killers. So did he do it for the approval of his father? You know, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the reason he did it for. I guess it'd be weird if you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know why. <laughs> Let me explain it to you. Um so. I didn't look into anything about like the director of this, did you? It was Well, I know it was Andrew Dominic. Yes. Or Dominique. Dominic. Dominic. Yes. It's the first episode of the season that has that wasn't directed by Fincher. Mm-hmm. Yep. He did the first three. Mm-hmm. And then this guy does two. And uh yeah, so He's. I thought it was pretty good. I, I have a hard time telling the a difference in visual flair between the two. I feel like I, th- I feel like because the producers are the same, it looks very similar. Well, it's also that the they're picked so well mm. that they're able to keep the same tone. Like it'd be mm. weird. I mean, it'd be stranger if they had picked. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Like I still think he should You would be an able to tell. I still, I still think he should direct an episode. <laughs> he would steal from a bunch of other things. It would be amazing. Can yeah. you imagine him stealing from all of the serial killer documentaries and putting them into one episode? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he'd steal from a lot of Fincher things, so it would work. Oh, man. It would be Seven, and it would be Zodiac. Zodiac. Oh, dude. Yeah. See, isn't this a good idea? That's actually a great idea. You now that you that. think about it, now yes. that I think about it, you mm-hmm. already thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then the next episode should be directed by Clint Eastwood. I'm cool with that too. <laughs> It'd be weird though. There'd be some weird lesson I was supposed to learn at the end. Mm. Anyway, so that's pretty much it for episode four. Episode four is not very packed. Yeah, I mean, the, especially the was good. not as packed as episode five. Which makes it the episode five is the longest episode in season two, right? Mm-hmm. I That's believe seventy-one so. minutes. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also David's favorite episode. I love this episode. It's so good because it's also the only episode with Kemper, who is one of my favorite characters from the last season, and you get Manson, who's played by Damon Harriman. Um, 
who is fantastic. If you've seen Justified, he played uh, Dewey Crow. Uh, he also played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is kind of funny to me. He did both the roles at about he filmed both the roles at about the same time. Do you think that Tarantino heard that he was going to be Manson in season and knew the prosthetics guys and was just like, he's going to look the same. Let's bring him in. I think he was pissed. Have you seen the side by sides? Yes. Yeah. It was. It's amazing what they yeah, did. It's very well done. I mean, well, I mean, we talked about it in the last episode. It's the same team who did Darkest, who did Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, right? And they won an Oscar for that, so it better be good. <laughs> but I think that he was chosen for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before um, he was chosen for this one. I'm not sure about that one. I know that he was chosen for him very close to each other. Like he was chosen for each role very close to the other. So I really. I really want to watch this episode again mm-hmm. uh, because after getting ready for this episode, yeah, like I, there's a lot that's going on mm-hmm. that I, I want to see again. Yeah. Why do you like this episode so much though? I like the, well, I have more investment in Manson and Texas characters because I've seen representations of them in another movie now. So I know that movie was revisionist history. I know it wasn't accurate, but I feel like I've met these characters before. Right. So hearing another side of them, and also Manson was really messed up, but he's also very charismatic, which is one of the reasons that he got people to do messed up things. So listening, so watching a portrayal of an, of of him on the screen was just amazing. It, he was magnetic, and Damon Harriman did a fantastic job. Uh, so watching that interview was really cool. Watching the subsequent interview with Tex. Did you notice they kept the language the same between Manson and Tex? And like Tex is talking with words of Manson, the Manson family. Because he was so indoctrinated. Like he says, he, he says love is love and, and this is this and it's, it's all connected. And like, that's the kind of stuff he's, it's, it's the same kind of vibe. It's oh, just wow. from a younger Family member perspective, not the leader. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't consider himself the leader, quote unquote? Right, right. Yeah, he didn't kill those people. He just talked. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. That Bill has issues with Manson, and it really sucks for Holden because Holden's this is Holden's. He it's the one he's wanted. He wanted it since the beginning of this season, and. Ted Gunn finally gives it to him. Yep. He gets to go meet with Manson. And then the conversation becomes Holden not being able to ask questions and Tench just arguing with Manson. Well, because he doesn't want Manson to be right. Because Manson because is if, in jail even though he technically didn't kill anybody. Technically. His son, Tench's son, never technically killed anybody. But he was there. And he had the idea to put the kid on the cross. So that makes him at least an accessory, which means that he could go to jail. Right, because if... And that also that his son could be messed up. To quote the Vulture article that we read, Mm -hmm. to buy Manson's account, Bill would have to believe that the Manson family members were willing and active participants in these murders. And of course, that would mean that Brian was willing and active in the strangulation too, not just a bystander. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's very like... Ah, <laughs> so he's arguing. He's he's no. You have to take response. It has to. You have to say that it was somehow your. It has to have been. You can't tell me that it wasn't. Like he just he. It's circular. It's mm-hmm. the whole argument 
between him and Manson just keeps going right. in a circle. And I wish I was videoed because I'm making a circle. <laughs> I also think that Holden crossed a line in that episode, in that in that interview. Oh yeah, totally. He he went from interviewing and being fascinated to al- almost worshiping Manson. Uh, he gave him his sunglasses when he asked for it. He stood up to greet him when he walked into the room. When when, when Manson walked in the room, Holden stood up like he was in the presence of royalty. He uh, he smiled at him, which again I think we I think we hinted at this last time, but this was the first time we've ever seen Holden give an actual smile. Was the was when he met Manson, and then when Manson asked him for his sunglasses at the end of the at the end of the interview, Holden just gave them to him, like yeah. he was under some kind of spell. It's um, it kind of leans towards the theory of how Holden is, because mm-hmm. I think. I think I said this last episode, but I like totally think it would be not surprising if at some point they were just like, Holden's murdered a bunch of people. <laughs> or Holden wants to be a serial killer and he lives vicariously through these other. Or he has some weird itch. And like, because the, like David says, he, te- he, he treats this guy like he's a god. Yeah. And it could be just because of his reputation and the fact that Holden is studying these people in this line. In, <laughs> I was about to say this line of work. Yeah, line of work, and murder. <laughs> this, yeah, and so it could just be that he's just so fascinated he finally gets to talk with this guy. But I, th- it looked like it was more than that. But also interesting in this episode, literally no one is taking responsibility for anything. Like no, Manson won't take responsibility. Henley won't take responsibility. Tex won't take responsibility. Now Henley's the last episode, but. Tex won't take responsibility. So I thought, I thought Tex took responsibility. I thought he said in the interview, "No, I killed those people." He might. So I lied. Maybe, but I mean, I could have a better recollection too. But I thought I remember him saying he that he that he admitted, "Yes, I killed those people," because he did say that Manson didn't kill those people. He just made it easier for us to kill them. He took away our fear of doing it. And I gotta mention my favorite part. You're gonna hate it. Uh, I, I gotta mention it. it. The lot. Yeah, but the, you the, can't because we already talked about it. The interview with Kemper was fantastic. I love. I love seeing Kemper. He's fantastic. David has told me about this seventy-two times. Okay, not really, but we talked about it last episode. <laughs> I got a text about it today. <laughs> I got a text about it the first time he ever saw it. <laughs> And had I been left to my own devices, I probably would agree. But now I've heard about it. It's like the only thing he talks about on the show. It's just like, but that line from Kimper, dude, is a line, dude. Calm yourself. But the way it's delivered and the implications of what it could mean are just... No, it's just a truth. I know. And that's amazing. How many people are out there that they haven't caught because they're... Their, their method is flawed and their studies are flawed. They're but go- how is that not obvious? I mean, they're, I don't know. It just seems like pretty obvious. It's one of those that's, I feel like it's not, it may be obvious, but it's not something you think about until it's pointed out. It's not something I was thinking about. Maybe the lower minded people are the ones who are blown away by this. And maybe you have just tran- transcended. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you make it about that? <laughs> I mean, it's true, but how dare you? 
It's the only time other than the, uh, <laughs> it's the only time other than the, uh, shotgun to the head scene in the pilot, which I had to, that I've hit the instant replay button. I had to hit it in that one because I was like, wait, did that just happen? That dude's head just exploded. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, is this what the show's going to be like? Nope. That was the most graphic moment in the entire show. But yeah, when I heard that line, I, I literally got chills down my spine. I had to rewind it and, and hear it again because it was just so good. Anything else you find special about episode five? No. No? Were you going to quote the line again? No. Because you made a face. I did. Okay, so we can move on to episode six. We can move on to episode six. Episode six. Director's change. Carl Franklin becomes the director. Mm -hmm. I'm going to post these Vulture articles in um, the episode description because... There's a lot in there about why these directors are good choices for this show. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to talk about it because I don't know why they're good choices unless I literally just quote the Vulture article, which I have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think we have to keep going No, as far good. as that goes. Yeah. Episode six is kind of the, hey, we're staying in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Because to me, because uh, it gets bad. Mm-hmm. It gets worse. Yeah. It gets worse. The Atlanta quote, child murders? Yeah, I guess. It mm-hmm. gets worse, quote unquote worse. People just, you know, keep dying. And mm-hmm. finally, Atlanta's like, okay, I guess we got to call the FBI. Mm-hmm. So they're sent to investigate. Yeah. I think they said it took, what, 11 murdered children before they finally paid attention? Yeah. It was a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that the number, 11? Uh, it was Going with 11. It was over 10. This is where they pick up Pickett Yarbrough. Yes. The plumber. The plumber. And I thought that whole exchange was funny. They they cut it really well because it they go to the DA's office to try to get a warrant so that they can bring him in. And the, the DA's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, cool. You can do this, but it has to be really quiet. I don't want anyone knowing about it. And they go, okay, cool. And it literally cuts from that to outside his house, middle of the night, chopper with a spotlight, Cop cars with their sirens and lights on. And it's just like, oh my gosh, this is not going well. This is where Holden's theory keeps uh, rearing its head where it's like, where they he keeps saying, it can't be this guy because this guy's white. It's mm-hmm. not going to be this guy. This yep. guy's white. Yep. And it wasn't I don't know why we pulled, <laughs> why we got the DA to give us these warrants and this guy's white. It doesn't matter. How did it lead to that? Um it had to do with something they found at one of the dump sites, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they found a magazine. Mm-hmm. Remember, they found a magazine. Yes. And it was near one of the bodies. That's what it was, yep. Because he is going out there to... to Pleasure himself. Yes, with a magazine. With a magazine, yes. And so they got his DNA, and uh, they traced it back to him. And yeah, okay. And then they're like, "Why do you have all this stuff in the back of your truck?" And he's like, "I'm a I'm a plumber." <laughs> so like, yeah, duct tape. They're like, "So you need a whole box of rolls of duct tape?" And he's like, "I just bought it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all very convenient. And Bill, this episode, man, Bill is all over the map because he's he's having to go back and in forth. Atlanta, and then he's back home, and then I think this happened in episode five, but. Um, his son, Brian, gets remanded by the state. Does that happen in five? Mm, I th- I believe so, yes. So his son, Brian, is remanded by the state, and he gets to stay home, but they're going to have the social worker drop in, mm-hmm. 
and check in on him. Yeah. All the time, unannounced. Yep. And and he's got weekly meetings with a psychologist and, and Bill psychiatrist works for the FBI, so he has a respect for the system. And Nancy has no respect for the system because it's her son. Mm-hmm. So there's this divide where he keeps having to say, no, 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 just let them do their thing. We have to follow this way. We have to do it this way. This is the way they want us to do it. And she keeps saying, but it's Brian. But there's also this tension going between them because she feels like he's not listening to her. Because he's still well, having to travel for the job. He's kind of not. He's kind of not. She's asked to move. And he said, and he's and he's kind of pushing that off, and um, and he doesn't even say they'll think about it till episodes after this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does seem like there's that tension that is. This might be better too. when it's not something you can binge, you know, like where <laughs> where we're like, we don't know what happens either. <laughs> or, or maybe we won't. Maybe we should watch episode one, two, three podcast, four, five, six podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we won't retroactively think. Maybe we should do an entire uh, three episodes on this entire show that we've already watched. I, I think it works okay, but I think we will learn from it. Sure, sure. These are our most heavily edited episodes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Man, and I did it in one night the first time. So episode six also has an interview. Uh, it's a very brief interview, but it's Wendy and... Uh, was it Wendy by herself or was Greg there too? Wendy and Clark Greg. Yeah. <laughs> it's Greg Clark, man. Come on. Oh, sorry. And uh, his name... It's spelled like Clark Greg spells his last name. I don't with know why, why someone would spell it anyway. Gregaga. So, Paul Bateson. Paul Bateson. He, Paul Bunyan? <laughs> no, Paul Bateson. Oh. Yeah. He Paul was, Bateson? He was Paul in Bateson. jail for killing a journalist named... Oh, yeah. Addison Verrill. But then he was also implicated in a string of murders of gay men. So... Anyway, Wendy did not get very much out of him. I don't know much about Paul Bateson. I don't know. I'd never heard of him before this episode. So the really cool thing that I found out was that he actually, in real life, he actually had a movie role. Now does, really? So I didn't get to this part in in The Exorcist yet. Paul Bateson had a role, I think it was uncredited too, but he played a, he played the role of the radiological technician. You know when you're... Trying to talk about something, it helps to read ahead. So it does. You know. I read ahead and then I forgot. Ah, I'm not so very good. So what did you play the retention. role of? A radiological technician. Hey, hey, yeah, because I said it. So maybe you should just do that. But yeah, he like, actually does have a role. I'll be talking about something. You'll just go radiological technician. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, other than that, it. He, they go and try to interview him, and he plays around for a second. Then he just kind of shuts him down and says, I'm done, and walks out. Which has to be really hurtful for Wendy because he's like, I killed a bunch of gay people. And she's like, I'm gay. <laughs> Did she say that? Or she, she, you No, but like that. she has to be thinking that. So yeah. like. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got for episode six. Just that, that little thing about Paul Bates. And- I think that uh, we've said this already, mm-hmm. but. Hope McCallany, who plays Bill Tench, is incredible. Yeah, he he put in a lot of work on this season. He had to. Mm-hmm. So we talked about him last episode, and this episode, he seems to be like the only character that's three dimensional. I guess that actually has stuff going on. They've tried to do it some with Wendy, 
because mm-hmm. Wendy has a relationship now. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were trying to do, I think, with her because she was the I have no life other than education and right. trying to figure this out until they added the relationship in. Right. But I don't know, just watching Tench's character be like, I have a happy suburban life to now my child is implicated in a murder and I am working with the FBI on murderers and I have to like justify what I do with my own family and like then I have holding down my throat every time I show up. Yeah. Do you think that it was because do you feel like his his character was more one-dimensional in the first season? Yes. So you think they were trying to flesh it out a Mm -hmm. bit better? I think that's what they're doing with season two in general. Mm -hmm. They have Holden has panic attacks. Yeah. You know, they have uh, Tinch with what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. They have Wendy with a relationship. And then we have Greg who's a snitch. Then we have Greg who's a snitch. Mm -hmm. And Greg's still one-dimensional. He's a snitch. Yes. And a typist. But yeah, Hope McCallany did uh, one of the best performances, I think. I think I thought everybody was really good on these three episodes, but for sure the guy who plays Bill Tench. And that's all we got. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.